1: If I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash
0: new book and get your copy today. I was outside this past weekend throwing the football with my nephew, Jackson. You know Jackson, right? Oh, yeah. Jackson plays football at a little local university, D3 university. He's a quarterback. Actually, technically, he's now moved to safety because they've got like 18 quarterbacks there. <laughs> and, you know, I, I got that little bit of Uncle Rico in me. Oh, sure. Where I used to play ball back in the day. and I could I could sling a baseball. And Throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Exactly. I would have won state back in 84 had they just put me in. Well, I, we got out there in the front yard and, and we were – we were we were slinging a little bit and Jackson says, Oh Chris, I, I think I can throw that football further than you. Uh oh. And I'm thinking Don't 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 challenge it. You know, I have never turned down a challenge. No. And and you know, I'm out there throwing it. By the way, I'm I'm gonna let you know he, he actually did out throw me. Now part of it is cause I couldn't keep that thing spiraling quite as long as mm. he could. But he did. He he threw it a little bit further than I did. I, I gave him props for it. That's not the story. Two days later, I am like holding my shoulder. Like I mean, I'm literally walking through chicken wing through the house, just <laughs> griping and complaining as to my shoulder hurting. Sure. And my wife comes up to me. And she says, Russ, were you not out there throwing the football with Jackson? And I was like, oh, yeah, you saw me. She goes, and your arm's hurting? I go, yeah. I've been telling you that for two days. She goes, in high school, didn't you tear up your elbow throwing after not playing for a long time? Yeah, what's your point? Don't you ever learn your lesson?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You keep going back to it.
0: Keep going back. And so I just think about as we're interviewing today, our our guest kind of talks about some mistakes that he's making and some of those mistakes that he made early on in life, and and they play out in different ways throughout his entrepreneurial journey. There's some redemption in this story, but man, there's a lot of chaos in there too. And I just, Joey sat back with me and listened a lot more than we spoke this time. And so there's some nuggets that we probably should have pointed out that we missed, like how he literally went underwater losing Ten million dollars in net worth in about six months, and he goes through three different examples of how he could have avoided it.
1: Looking back, twenty twenty vision. Yeah, yeah.
0: I I think that you know sometimes we we can learn from others' mistakes, and hopefully, as one of my wise mentors would say, is borrow information versus having to personally go through it and pay retail. I I love this interview today, and I I think that you're going to gain a lot of insight.
1: Yeah. Ricardo Rosales is our guest and he is a passionate guy. You're going to definitely pick that up. So passionate that we could never get a word in edgewise. We literally had to just keep listening. And, um, yeah, let's, let's just dive into this because you're going to want to pick up these nuggets. You're going to want to learn from his mistakes and also figure out where he's headed from now. And, uh, you're going to, you're going to pick up a lot. Let's jump in with Ricardo Rosales
0: Are you ready to break through now? Here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Muray.
1: Welcome into the show. Today's guest is Ricardo Rosales. Ricardo, so glad to have you on the show, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity
0: and it's an honor for me to be here with you guys. I loved connecting with you while you were here in Birmingham, Ricardo, and you told a story as we were sitting at dinner that really kind of grabbed me and and, and like shook me up a little bit as an entrepreneur, just to hear uh, your story and some of the things that you went through. So I, I hate to have the, um, the always the honor or the privilege or whatever you may look at it as to ask these hard questions, but I, I need to ask you about what was going on in August september of 2017 and how that impacted your life uh it impacted my
2: life in a big way right um we uh dennis and i dennis is my business partner on the flipping business um we were flipping houses at a scale here in houston and we have been doing doing so for for quite a while now i I started flipping in 2008 but by the time we got to 2017 Uh, we had grown our operation to where we were doing 20 to 30 uh, properties at the same time so we were handling millions of dollars worth of loans and i think it was last day of august if i'm not mistaken is when hurricane harvey hit um we've been watching the storm and but we never thought of anything major happening with the storm itself because it wasn't going to hit houston directly it came like around corpus area which is like three four hours away but it brought a lot of rain and this rain brought a lot of flooding so the whole city of houston areas that never flooded before actually flooded this time a few of our rentals we had a lot of rentals properties at the time they flooded five of them actually in total they flooded they were not insured uh for floodings and we had to kind of like put about two hundred thousand dollars to get them fixed up. Oh wow! Um, and but that was not the problem. Uh, that was actually easy. Yeah, uh, uh, that was not a big deal. We actually fixed them up in like a month or so because we had forty-seven um, people on our crews working anywhere from painting to drywall to flooring and those kind of things and everything else we subcontracted kitchens, uh, roofs, foundation, electricity, uh, plumbing. So what happened was there were so many flooded houses in the area that they needed to be demoed uh, that you have to do demolition inside cut up the walls four feet up make sure you get rid of the uh you know of the uh, uh, you know everything that that's happening and and you know they all walked away because the labor rates went so high that uh i couldn't compete i couldn't pay them basically i, I was paying these guys Twelve to fifteen dollars an hour roughly, and now they're making forty dollars an hour plus per diem. There was no way I could afford you know my whole crew well, probably now that I look back, I should have afforded them somehow <laughs> uh and and matched those rates, but at the time didn't make it make no sense, so we started sourcing people from other cities actually. Um, and training brand new people that's never done construction before into flipping and rehabbing properties. But what that cost to us was that we had 20 loans at the time, uh, probably anywhere from four to $5 million worth. And, but we had a schedule for closing another 27 properties and they were closing within the next two to four weeks. So when Harvey hit, and we started fixing our rentals that flooded. We never thought that our that our whole crew was gonna walk away. Number one, uh, number two, we didn't think that the the ongoing work was gonna be going for so long. You know, for for months at a time. And we thought it was gonna be a quick thing in and out. You know, uh, the the flooding happened. Okay, six months from now, it's over. That was not the case. So literally, we were we lost our crew. Now we had 47 houses because we went and bought the other 27 that that we had on the contract, and um, we were literally bleeding just on notes to 120 thousand dollars a month, um, wow, and no money coming in. So, that, yeah, I don't care. I don't care how much money you got in the bank. Uh, that's gonna run out fast, you know, <laughs> unless you're a billionaire or something like that, right?
1: Yeah, because um, that that flip business is 100% solely dependent on the payday at closing. All the holding costs in the meantime are all on you. That liability lands on you. So that is correct.
0: In, in, in that moment, so you have a lot of things happening all at once. You've got Harvey hits, flood some of your units. You're like, well, if that happens, we'll just send guys over there. We'll have to pay for it. But that's just part of doing business. You're making pretty good money off all your units. You got 27 properties, and I mean the real estate investor in you is like, man, I, I don't want to miss out on this deal. This is gonna be a good opportunity. Better go close on that. In hindsight, you wish you would have passed on that one. I know. Yes. Uh, your your crew leaves you because they were making $10, $12 an hour and now they're getting paid forty dollars an hour to deal with all the wreckage that's all over the the uh the city and everything else. Correct. It's- It was not a six months repairs, a a year, two year repair for all of this stuff to get fixed. All of these things are happening in your life and you're bleeding $120,000 a month. That that starts to pull. But before I like, because I know the story doesn't end there, but if it's all right, can we back up a little bit? I want to go back to where, where it all began. How did you even get to that point? Because a lot of people would have said, Man, Ricardo was flipping 20 houses a month. That's nuts. Like some people's goals to flip one a a month. <laughs> you guys were doing Actually, 20. that's what I like to do now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. So yeah. So, you know.
2: The the, the way I, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself and where I come from, right? I grew up in Venezuela. Uh, My father is a very successful um, entrepreneur in the insurance business, life and health insurance. He's had a, he has a huge brokerage throughout Central and South America. And, you know, I grew up wanting to be like my dad. Uh, I wanted to wear the suit. I wanted to go to the office. I wanted to be right next to him. And so by the time I was eight, I would just beg my dad and he actually employed me. He said, okay, son, if you're coming to the office, you're going to dress up, but you're going to come in and work. You're just not going to play there. And I became what they call in Venezuela, the office boy. The office boy (laughs) is the little kid that just handles the files to the secretaries. So the secretaries will need a file. They'll tell me the name. I'll go grab it, give it to them. And that's all I did. Right. By the time I was 19, I was already running all his operations. Um, but I didn't have a father. I had a boss Mm. and me and him were clashing big time. A Mm. lot of it is because I was very immature. Uh, I, I love to party. I started drinking when I was 12. By the time I was 15, I was already a full blown alcoholic. Okay. This is what happens in Venezuela. If you can walk up to liquor store, that's it. You're in. So, (laughs) um, you know, I graduated high school. I actually won a bet against my dad. I was doing so bad in high school that I flunked out of seven classes that I was taking on my last year uh, in Venezuela. I flunked five. And the only ones that I passed were sports and English. Mm. Everything else, you know, I didn't really pay attention to. And he came to me and said, son, if you pass these uh, five classes during summer, um, I'm going to put you in an apartment in Miami, Florida. Uh, and I, I was born here in the U.S., so I'm a, a U.S. citizen by by, you know, from, from when I was born um, and I'm going to give you a brand new car so you can go to college. And I said, what? An apartment, car, college, Miami? I'm in. So I went <laughs> in and 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 I passed all these classes during summer. Um, and he actually, he's a man of his word and he's like, all right, let's go. We're leaving on Friday. So I passed on Wednesday. He didn't want me to be there for more than two days because he knew I was going to find my ways to go party and, and, you know, go back to my old ways pretty much. And he put me in Miami and that's how we opened up an office there in, in his practice. Long story short, um, you know, went to Miami, started going to college, uh, to Miami date. But I didn't really like going to college. I was not a college kind of guy. I never saw myself with some sort of degree or anything like that. And I started procrastinating on going to school basically, but I love working. While I was in Miami, I kind of like found the party, you know, Miami's party city of the world. So wait, there's parties, there's parties there. Oh my (laughs) goodness. Clubs, parties, you name it. Right. (laughs) Uh, So I found my way, my way into my old life, right. uh, Of partying down in Venezuela. And, um, you know, very quickly uh, me and him started clashing. Like he wanted me to go to college, quit drinking, quit partying out and all that. Um, I had already uh, had a daughter um, um, when I was 19, and literally i had responsibilities i was very responsible at that age uh, i would say and um you know but i still did a good job at the at the office so you know i i found a way to do a good job being irresponsible go figure that right mm-hmm. um but um you know at, at some point we went we drove ourselves away and i dabbled into a couple of things here and there i, I left the office i quit working for him i got separated from my wife at the time because we I, we I got married as soon as she was pregnant like i wanted to grow up very fast and 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 i said okay if you're pregnant then um i'm gonna own up to my daughter and this and that let's just go get married it's the right thing to do and you know very young it's two kids having another kid kind of deal right. so we we found ourselves driving each other apart and um i was lost and and you know no job no you know wife uh but i was living with my mom now um and um i watched a commercial one day of a of the u.s navy you can see the uniform back there and those guys are dressed in whites on an aircraft carrier and i said well you know what they got insurance they got a paycheck my daughter's gonna be taking care of on the insurance i think i'm just gonna go ahead and join the navy and that's exactly what i did um joined the navy uh as a mechanic i didn't really um n- never turn a bulb a light bulb in my life for the first <laughs> time now, i'm grabbing wrenches and long story short uh, i end up i ended up in a minesweeper uh down in corpus christi texas and i became the top mechanic on the ship um, and I can tell you a lot of stories about the ship, but I don't, I don't want to hold you up on that right now. <laughs> um, while I was in the Navy, I would see the oil rigs in, in the Gulf of Mexico. And I figure, man, I, I would ask myself mechanics on those rigs make a lot more money than I make on, on the ship. I wonder how I can transition to that. So two years in, I started digging into it. And by the time my four, my four year term uh, came up. Um, I got out of the Navy and I joined uh, uh, an oil and gas service company here in, in the Houston area, started from the bottom. I started in the shop, get, being a trainee, and then I ended up working offshore, worked all over the world, put well wellheads and trees uh, in the ocean in every single see that there is out there now, worked in Africa, Australia, Singapore, Malaysia, Venezuela, the whole nine yards. And I went from putting valves together in the shop floor into running a $120 million business by the end of 2000, uh, the middle of 2015 when I actually got laid off. Okay. Um, So I had a 12 year career in the oil and gas business. I was actually pretty good made a lot of money. I was uh, a corporate guy, right? I was uh, a global business unit manager uh, at the end of my oil field career, uh, handling a $120 million uh, business unit for one of the largest uh, service operators here in Houston. And, but how I got into real estate was when I was working offshore sometime around 2007, I was doing, um, when I was not on the rig, I had a lot of time on my hands. And I had time and money because, you know, we, you make good m- money in the, in the oil and gas business when you're working offshore. It's six figures. And um, most of my friends were spending money on, 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 on what do you call it, uh, on toys. I was not a toy uh, spender. I was like, I need to put this money to work. What should I do? And I watched this show called Flip This House. <laughs> and I was like, I can't believe, man, these guys are picking up a house. Fixing it up, you know, they pick it up for forty thousand. They put thirty in it. They're in it for 70, and they're selling it for a hundred to a hundred and ten. Man, I gotta go work offshore three or four months to make forty fifty thousand dollars. So maybe this is something I can do on my spare time when I'm not on the rig. And that's what got me interested into real estate. I try to find a a mentor in the area, but you know, the internet connectivity back then wasn't what it is today. So I couldn't find much, but I found a house and I just went and bought it. And this is sometime in 2008 when the whole thing is just starting to, the whole bubble starts to blow up and everything
1: crumbling. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It started crumbling. Everybody was getting out of real estate. I was getting in. (laughs) Yeah. And I started buying houses very cheap, uh, fixing them up. Uh, My first two houses were nightmares. They, I call them the universities because they taught me they taught me everything there is on how to handle contractors all the way to getting money stolen the whole nine yards mm. um but i finally made it through and by the time i got done with the first property i ended up being a forced landlord cuz i couldn't sell it and and from there you know 2 years later i managed actually 3 4 years later i managed to accumulate 47 properties as a rental units and by the time i got there <laughs> i realized that i didn't like being a landlord <laughs> um i had a full-time job so this was my passive um a, a way to build wealth passively long term which is what i read in you know poor dad uh, rich dad, poor dad, dad and all these other books right yeah. um so i was buying into all those ideas but i was not enjoying that journey uh of being a landlord necessarily so I sold, I liquidated all my assets sometime in 2012 and 2013, and I started buying new properties. Uh, You know, the the previous properties were class D and Cs. Um, I started upgrading to class Bs, Uh, and at this time now, people are getting qualified for loans. Um, The banks are more relaxed on lending, so I got into more flipping and rentals as well, and you know, we continue to do that. I started teaching some friends uh, from the oil and gas business because they got curious about what I was doing, uh, especially when I told them that I was paying like 12% taxes a year uh, because of all my write-offs through my properties and all that. <laughs> they they were like at the 40% level and I was like, they're like, you're doing what? And I was like, yeah, man, you know, you just got to get you a good CPA, you know, um, and you got to invest in real estate. And I got their attention. They started investing with me and I created this little group um, that later on turned into a company called W uh, WF4U Holdings, which means we flip it for you. So we, we put a group together of guys that were W-2s, high income guys, they had good jobs. And what we did is we, we leveraged them for loans and money, but we found the deals, flipped them, and then we put the properties either on rentals or we sold them. Long story short, August uh, 2015, I got laid off and I was not expecting that to happen that day. I knew I was eventually going to get laid off because that's corporate. The corporate world is just like that. Um, and I was pretty high up on the chain. So I figured that when the all started coming down, uh, the, the first guys to go were going to be the guys that had the highest salaries. I was just one of them. And they put me on the streets and I said, OK. I've been an employee for a very long time now. Um, I know real estate. I didn't think at the time that I had built enough for me to sustain myself of the rentals. Um, so I got, but I got to ma- find a way to make money so I can live from what I do. So I got to create my own job basically. And because I had this little group together, I went and reached out to those guys and I said, look guys, this is what I think is going to work. You guys, if, as long as you guys keep your jobs, it's gonna be easy for us to find uh, get loans from Harmony lenders and banks and things like that. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna become the general contractor for all these properties. And now I'm gonna contract all the, all, all the labor and I'm gonna get paid as a general contractor. That way I can pay, make a living and pay my bills like that. So when I got laid off, I, I made $250,000 a year but I also had the life of a guy that had that made two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. So I had the big mortgage. Um, I, I was like the rapper, man. You know, rappers take care of all the family members and all that uh, when they start making money. Well, I was yeah. taking care of my mom, my mother-in-law, my daughter. You know, now my grown-up daughter going to college and all that. So my income went away, but my liabilities were the same. And even though I had money, I had a 401k, I had money in the, in the bank as well. I had some rehabs going on. I knew that that was, that was not going to last for a long time. And I said, okay, I got about six months to nine months of expenses right now. I got to figure a way to replenish this cash that I just lost or the, the, the income that I just lost. And I went to these guys that we had put the group together and said, look guys, we're flipping three houses right now at the same time. we really need to kick it up a notch. We got to go to about 10. And they said, 10, you must be out of your freaking mind. That's too many houses. We're struggling with three. We got to scale up to 10, hire all these people. I said, guys, I understand you guys got a job. I don't. And the numbers only make sense if we go up to 10. If I I don't go up to 10, I'm going to lose everything I got. And that to me is not an option. So you know, and that's how we ended up started buying a lot more properties. So my job became find private money because we have transitioned from hard money to private money, find properties, marry the two together and pull off the rehab. And what I was using my partners for at the time was credit and a little bit of money for, to get on deals. Quickly, I kind of outgrew them and they started feeling that. So I ended up buying them out of the company. Uh, they kept a lot of the properties that were um, rented. And I kept most of the ones that were liabilities at the time on the rehab, but that was one way to kind of like get them out of of the way. Um, And they had their jobs, they were perfectly happy where they were. So they had no desire of quitting their job and coming to do what I I was doing, which was hustle 24 seven, work around the clock, hire people, manage people, manage, managing contractors is one of the worst things that this business has, right? Mm. They wanted no part of that. And they said, Ricardo, you know, what? we love you. Uh, we, we, uh, we're still friends, but if we go the separate ways, then we can still keep our jobs. We keep some of the houses, you keep some of the houses and some of the rehabs or, or all the rehabs, cause they didn't really want to rehab anymore. And that's how we ended up going separate ways. Now, sometime in 2016, um, we, the way we found the deals is we, we went on the MLS and, and I was looking for properties in Houston at the time, a property was worth about a hundred dollars per square foot. So anything I could find below $50 a square foot was worth taking a look at to make sure that the rehab and the purchase price was going to be about $70 per square foot. And from there we would start negotiating. Now in 2016, sometime those deals completely disappeared. And now I I had to find deals. I had plenty of money available to buy properties, but I couldn't find deals. So that's how we started a lead generation, um, you know, operation that eventually led for us to owning our own mailing company. Um, And we started sending letters and postcards, talking to sellers. We started quickly negotiating properties directly with the sellers, which is something we didn't do before. It was always either through a wholesaler or, or through an agent. And, and that's how Same as Cash, which is our acquisitions company, um, started. And uh, I, I started building this with Dennis, uh, who later on became our, my partner on the, um, on the flipping as well. And, and literally, that's, that's how
0: we started growing our business. Are you looking for ways to implement ideas, get exposure to new ones, and be surrounded by people on the same journey as you? Joey, where can they go to do that? Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash community.
1: You can join for free today.
0: Well, so Ricardo, I mean, that is an amazing story. I mean, the, like there's so many twists and turns in there. And I know that as you're listening to this, you're like, wow, like, this guy has, has lived an amazing life. He's had he's several had, lifetimes. Yeah, yes. He's had three entrepreneurial <laughs> journeys. <laughs> uh, and so I, 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 I want to break down some of those moments, but I, I just feel like that, you know, if I look back and you, you had an opportunity early on to see what it was like in corporate world. Then, then you, you went out a little bit and then you went into the, you went into the Navy, which yep. uh, thank you for your service. Thank you. And, and and from there, you see another opportunity, you move into the the sector of trying to flip on the side, you, you figure out how to create a partnership with other guys, you start working in that arena, you then you get laid off, you immediately figure out I have to scale in order to keep my lifestyle. Yep. then you start three other businesses, it seemed like there's lots of these things. And all of a sudden, you're scaling up and you get to where you're doing t- not not 3 deals a month, not 10 deals a month, but 20 deals a month and Harvey hits and we're right. Right, right back where we were when we started. So, let's talk about though what's been happening since then because there's a lot of like ups and downs in there. You you got to hear Ricardo talk about living a great lifestyle, having lots of money, creating a a, a great business and then all of a sudden having it like collapse and some people would say that's, that's enough. Okay. I'm just going to go back to the corporate world. I'm going to get a day job. I'm just going to work. I'm just going to probably save more than I spend and ride off into the sunset. But that's not what you did. What, what, what did you do after Harvey? So, so Harvey, you know, Harvey
2: to us was like a a slow death. Okay. Because Mm. we start, we, we had money in the bank. So we never thought, that that money was going to run out and it was going to take us so long to get out of that problem, which by the way, I still have some of those properties that I'm actually cleaning from my books. Okay. So we had to switch from a high liability business, which was ho- uh, flipping into a low liability business, which was wholesaling.
1: Okay. And wait, we had wait, to fir- wait, wait, wait. So what does that mean? When you say high liability from flipping to low liability to wholesaling, w- explain the difference. So the difference is
2: in the flipping, we had a lot of loans. So, you know, 10% loans, 8% loans, all private money. Uh, For the most part, this is individuals loaning out of an IRA or their cash or whatnot. Um, But that's that's what got us in that trap, basically. So I was looking for something to where I was not going to increase that trap anymore because I could have kept on buying more properties, but I was just increasing the the volume and and the challenge. And we decided to stop that and, and say, okay, let's focus on wholesaling because the only liability we have in wholesaling is marketing. And which in comparison to those loans, it's really nothing because you 're only talking uh, talking about a few thousand dollars a month, maybe we we actually got into the five figures of marketing every month uh, high five figures um, in order to to attract enough leads but but we could make we knew that if we could put fifty thousand dollars in marketing, we could literally get one hundred and fifty back, so you know we basically we, we went that route, so that 's what we switched. That way we will create money with wholesaling and finish the properties that we were um that we, we had at the time, start selling them off one by one or refi them or or, or whatever um to offload them of our of being a, a
1: liability because they, they were not income producing assets they were distressed assets well so, and, and you you in the marketing side like a wholesale business you could always shut off marketing if it's not working and that correct. liability goes away but if you owe a bunch of people money on hard money or private lending you know and you can't flip the house you you hold all that liability over you
2: yeah That's so what you're saying right that is correct and okay. You know, unfortunately at the time, I didn't have somebody I could talk to and tell them what was going on because nobody would understand. Like if I go to somebody and say, hey man, I got $120,000 worth of loans every month, what do I do? They'll <laughs> they'll be like, I don't know, because I've never been in that position, right? Yeah. And and, and anything they tell you would probably make no sense. So I I started trying to reach out to people uh, in order for me to, to get some guidance, but my the honor in me said, I got to, I told these people I was going to pay them every month. I'm going to continue to make those payments. So, you know, I literally did that until I literally ran out of cash, which was a roughly, uh, all was probably $3 million. And I went to the, I got to the point to where my wife called me one day wondering which debit card to use to put $50 of gas on one of our trucks. Mm. After we were bringing two to three hundred thousand dollars a month, right? And I said, "I don't know, figure it out right Like this is those little challenges, but they start adding up, and you know it, it, so I should have literally when Harvey happened, the first thing I should have done was call all my lenders and stop all the payments. That's it, and then deal with them at the at the time. but I would have had enough money to finish everything, and my plate will be clean right now. They would have been maybe mad at me cause they were making their 10% or 8% payments or whatnot. But at least they would have gotten their money a lot quicker uh, back. I didn't do that. I, st- I continue to make those payments. I would tell them, don't worry about it. We have wholesaling, we got money coming in. But eventually, you know, it was more the money going out than the money coming in. I still had to go have a conversation and said, look guys, you got two options now. Number one, you take the property back as is. Right. And then, you know, if there is any deficiencies, you can go back and sue me or whatever. But by the way, I have no money. Uh, number two, you did, you work with me until we get out of this bind. And I would say 99% of those guys chose to work with us. Um, so that's how we started transitioning out of all those
1: properties. All right. So then that is, I, you still have some of that that's, um, you know, hanging over your head, but yeah. what what's the next day or next step for you in your journey? So right now, my next step is to continue
2: to grow our wholesaling operation. Uh, we we have a six-figure operation now, um, month after month. Uh, of course, during the pandemic, the six-figure turned into no figures, uh, you know, because <laughs> nobody was buying. We had properties, we had stuff on the pipeline. Uh, but nobody was buying, and uh, we will continue to grow that because that's kind of like my main uh, avenue. I, I am buying properties, but I'm buying now everything under under owner finance to us because I do believe in long term wealth. Um, you know, uh, leverage some debt, but it's, it's it's more more of a healthier debt. It's a four percent, three percent loan as opposed to a ten percent or eight percent loan. Um, so we're buying some of those. And and then we also have a data company now with a texting uh platform that we're uh providing services to other guys like me that are in the lead generation business for wholesaling or or even whatever, you know, lead generation is lead generation. Um, and that's kind of like the, the two things that we're focusing on big time is the wholesaling and, and the data and, and and the platform. So
1: well, that's what's lead, next for me. Our, so our process, Ricardo, is is four steps people are we always start with clarity like what do you want financial freedom to look like what is what does your life look like and then let's make decisions in light of that and then we can work into control which has to do with your budget your cash flow your debts um, taxes like where you save money all that is that second step the third step is creating a course or charting a course towards financial freedom, which might be wholesaling in your case, right? That's your vehicle for creating income and owning a business that, that creates that. Now you've gotten a tech uh, in the tech space with this um, texting software. That's another vehicle. Um, what do you feel like as far as on that journey, when you look back at Harvey, how did that create clarity for you as far as what you want your life to look like? That is a great question, so um the
2: clarity that I get now is that I don't wanna be in a high liability type risk like the flipping business was um uh, because you can lose it all overnight like i did we we lost it like literally we lost over ten million dollars uh in in a in a period of like three years in between equity and cash. Um, and then a lot of reputation people are still mad because they didn't get their 10% money, who knows, okay? So what, what I got from that was, okay, I don't wanna be in that position again, but that doesn't mean I hate real estate. I wanna continue to buy real estate, but I wanna buy it in more favorable terms to to us. And I wanna own actually a lot of free and clear real estate to where if if another catastrophe happens, I don't have the liability of the loans, even if I lose all my income from it, the only liability that I may have is taxes on on the property, like the, the property taxes. Right. So. So that's where I shifted into, which is clearing my plate from all those all those debts. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. It's still good to leverage debt, but not in, at least not in Houston the way we did it, especially in a city that, that that's got, you know, floodings and hurricanes and things of that nature. Um, So I want to own a lot of real estate free and clear. That will give me a lot of peace of mind. And that's what I'm working on right now. I will make this clear. Wholesaling is a rat race. It it is a complete rat race. A lot of people out there that are watching guys like myself and all these other people that are in the wholesaling business make big checks, you know, 10,000 a a house, 20,000, 50,000. Yeah, those checks are beautiful. But the moment you stop marketing, your business stops. So that's why I call it a rat race. If you get sick, that business is probably, unless you have automation built into it, you know, a bunch of people running the business and all that. The moment you stop, your income stops. So I believe in being, being fully diversified, you know, having assets that are paid for having also cash, having investments, uh having a wholesaling business and the data company and the texting company came by necessity uh f- to supply our own demand for marketing. Um and that now we're offering those services to other uh investors as well and I believe that eventually uh we'll will probably keep it for a, as long as we can. But those are companies that you can easily turn around and sell for a multiple uh later on in life. So right we have different fronts coming, you know, I, I believe in multiple streams of, uh, streams of income. And that's what I've been focusing on, but I have one main one, which is a wholesaling operation. So gotcha. where do I see myself in the future? Owning a bunch of free and clear property, uh, that will give me a peace of mind. That's what I like. Now, is there a number specific to what I like to have in my, you know, I, I don't have one to be honest with you, I don't think I'll ever will because I'm one of those guys that I reach a goal and then I go for the next one and I go for the next one. And so I remember when when I was, uh, you know, a teenager, I would say, oh, man, the day I make ten thousand dollars a month, I'm going to be rich, <laughs> you know. And here we are. Sometimes we make two, three hundred thousand and now we're, we're shooting for more. Right. Mm. Um, so so that's kind of like the, the evolution of,
1: of where I'm headed to well and what you just explained is peace of mind is when you have passive income that's greater than your monthly expenses and whatever vehicle that is this long-term rentals owner finance properties whatever it might be that's really what whoever is listening to you right now that's what journey they're on and so it's really awesome to hear how you've how you've really come from you know a a huge loss and you've bounced back with some clarity on what is it going to take for you to have that peace of mind um so man i love i love talking to people all over, all across this journey right sometimes we talk to people that are just getting started some people have have achieved what we're talking about and some people have gone backwards and they're bouncing back and I, i'm just grateful that you're willing to share that with us today uh, for those that want to connect with you in some way outside of this show What's the best way for people to get connected to you
2: so I have a, a website Ricardo rosales.com I also have a YouTube channel Ricardo Rosales uh, where we also have a podcast and you guys will be there next um, and that that will be the easiest way uh, in, in and okay. in on iTunes or we're on the uh, the real estate entrepreneurs podcast so um, you know I'll be I'll be happy to answer questions connect with people uh, connect with your audience and and, and share, uh, help them in any way I can and be of service.
0: Well, we really appreciate you, Ricardo. This is a, a really uh, interesting story. i just love just sitting back. I mean, I there's not very frequently that I get um, less words in than I did in this podcast, but I think most people are happy that <laughs> they listened to you and not me because you had a really interesting story. And there were several nuggets in there that we, I think we all can take away and learn from. Thank you again for coming on the show. We really appreciated having you. And as always, as a listener, we really appreciate you for listening to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Please come back to the next episode. Thank you so much for having me. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry.